Hello everyone, welcome to the Weeb Initiative, I'm your host, The Weeb. This is a show where every other week I'll be talking about anime, manga and everything in between. This week, if you haven't noticed by the different intro, we'll be talking about a somewhat brief analysis of the whole manga of Kaguya-sama Love is War. Now, first off, the disclaimers, spoiler alert, I'll be talking about most of the story, so if you are still reading it, still to read it, or, I don't know, near the end, and you don't want, actually want to get spoiled, uh, maybe skip this review, this analysis, for after you finish it, and that's basically it for disclaimers, I think. Uh, the thing is, right, uh, just a little bit of context, considering that I'll be releasing this nearly a whole year, maybe even one and a half, nearly one and a half years after the last chapter was released. It is because I really do take my time to actually finish up on reading stuff. So, for instance, like, just an example, okay? I am still to wane to finish up on Domesque Nakarajo. Even though I love that series, I just didn't really get the time and impetus to actually finish it. I, I even got spoiled, but that's a whole other thing. The, the thing is, I, I do take my sweet time on actually finishing up things and I started a whole lot of other manga in the meantime. This will be... I'll comment this on the next episode when I'll be talking about the 2023 update for the manga list. A anyways, that uh, that's besides the point. So, for a bit of context, I'll be doing a brief analysis the way I see the series now that I have seen it through. And giving a bit of my opinion on things and how f the whole thing kind of landed, uh, if it really broke... Uh, the status quo of the genre, if it redefined our standards, maybe for the most part, I think it raised the bar a lot higher. And one of the things that I really want to talk about is about the author, Akasa Kahaka, in the way that he delivered not only the story in general, but also the ending, because the ending of the series was really something hyped up back in when it was to release and also as it may carry out into his new series Oshinoko although that doesn't really translate too much in the grim scheme of things I don't know yet uh, as of the time of recording Oshinoko has not yet announced the ending from what I can research and hopefully not in the near future, I think. Um, it is still going strong. I don't actually think it will break much after the 200 chapters, but uh, we'll see about that. That being said, right, I have been already getting into tangents and it's been like three minutes of recording. Um, so let's start with the stats. This is a rehash of the review of the first season that I did in the first season of the Web Initiative in the Why Did I Watch series, but this is a bit of rehash, but a lot of things happened from that time to now, and so uh, let's just do it 
really quickly, if you haven't heard and uh, listened to the original review, this one may as well serve it, right? Because the first review was about the anime, and I will briefly talk about the anime, but whatever. The thing is, let's start with the stats already. So, Kaguya-sama Love's War is originally a manga written and illustrated by Akasaka Aka. It began serialization in May 2015 in Weekly Young Jump and finished up in 2022, November 2022. So basically, as this will be coming out, is nearly one year since the last chapter. The whole series has 281 chapters. The whole thing came out to be 28 volumes. And basically, it spawned two different, let's say, spin-off mangas. One called Kaguya-sama Dojinban and Kaguya-sama o Kataritai, which were not read for this analysis. So, and also, I cannot uh, go through this stats without talking about the anime, the anime movie, and the live-action films. So, first the live-action films, the first one was 2019, and the second one was 2021. I don't actually know what in the story both of the films cover, but for the sake of this analysis, again, it doesn't actually matter. The anime is really more important. The anime was done by A1 Pictures, the three seasons that he has. All the, tr the three seasons have... 12 plus the OVA, or in the case of the last one, 13 episodes. The first one began in 2019, uh, January 2019, and, the, and ended in March 2019. The second one aired from April 2020 to June 2020. And the third one, called Kaguya-sama Ultra Romantic, started on April 2022 and ended on June 2022. Important to say, and to I always love to talk about this, Kaguya-sama Love's War Ultra Romantic, the third season, it did break the status quo of my anime list, so it was the first anime in a long, long, long time. I think it may be the last, but I think five years to actually reach first place on the anime list, debunking... Fumetto Alchemist Brotherhood, <laughs> for a bit of change, let's say. Though it has fallen in scale because of review bombing and whatever, that's not important here. Uh, let's just go on with it. So, now that I've gone through the stats, let's get to the um, actual story. So, Kaguya-sama Love's War is the story, uh, basically, basically, is the story about two people, Shirogane Miyuki and Shinomiya Kaguya, the president of the student council, um, no, in this case, uh, Shirogane, or Miyuki, as we'll be talking about, is the president of the student council of Shushin Academy, a really prestigious academy that, ha um, school that has sons and daughters of polit uh, politics, big business owners and whatever, whatever, and 
Shinomiya Kaguya is the vice president, and basically the whole thing about the, the introduction of the series is that they are both in love with each other, but the one that confesses first basically loses. Uh, does the name Love's War, because uh, you're in love, but if you concede and confess first, you lose. And for the most part, this whole series is a romantic comedy, though the, at the very beginning and for the most part, it is so much more of a comedy rather than a romance. The romance comes in later and somewhat brings up a whole lot of nuance, although the, they always crack a joke in between the serious parts. Uh, the the most uh, the the story is mostly filled with comedy, like seventy five percent, and then twenty five percent is actual actual romance and drama. That being said, um, so I will start with the fact that this is a single girl romance, as as I characterize it. Single girl romance basically means that you have this one protagonist, in this case, Miyuki, and the only real uh, romantic interest, only real target, and only real, let's say, only real ship in everything that we consider is Kaguya, and that doesn't actually change and never is actually threatened. So, for the most part, you will never see the drama of a love rival or the threat of maybe they actually, let's say, uh, breaking up for the most uh, because of uh, outside force trying to interfere with their love in a way that someone would get into a relationship with someone else, let's say. So basically, what I'm trying to say is that there's no uh, dispute, is not a harem, the... Um, only love interest and only uh, relationship that we care about for the most part is Miyuki and Kaguya and never really changes. Although the this comes up as a drama in the last arc, but that's... Uh, as I said before, spoiler alert, but we'll get there when we get there. So, first part of the story, and this is the part where it is really comedy-centric, and really uh, exotic. It, it, it is the introduction to the series and basically does a lot in world building and also setting up the pacing and the stage for the comedy of the, sh the show, the series. Is the, f the first part is basically where the anime covers the first season. The first season I call the first part of Kaguya-sama because for the most part the first season doesn't actually have much in the way of plot. It does set up a lot of the gags and recurring, not only the characters, but also the recurring, let's say, uh, routines that the crew finds themselves in. So, for instance, for, let's first talk about the characters before I talk about the, the routines, because the routines are more or less... Uh, shown a lot of times, and the characters are really what moves this series either way, so let's get to it. So, as I already said, we have Shirogane Miyuki, who's the 
president of the student council of Shujin. The one thing that actually uh, comes up a lot and is the major one of the major uh, characteristics of him as the student council president and also as a person in general is that Miyuki is really hardworking. He is actually a scholarship uh, student, so Shujin is really really expensive, but he. Uh, the Shirogane family doesn't actually have a lot of money. That is a plot point later on in the... It appears more or less on the part... In the middle of part 1 and into part 2 and gets resolved eventually in part 3. But the, the thing is, Shirogane doesn't actually have money. And basically his whole life is based on caffeine, not enough sleep... Part-time jobs to pay off the general things in the house, uh, as food, electricity, bills, whatever, and uh, student council present stuff. So basically, he's overworked and he never sleeps. And this if even becomes a gang in the first season when they actually serve him the caffeinated coffee and he just drops like a rock. This is one of the uh, one of the traits of him. He's really hardworking. He really wants to be a top student. He is a top student for the most part, and also competes with Kaguya in being the first of their year. And, and this is a, one of the parts of, in their let's say in the, their war. And basically, he's this uh, really uh, serious guy, hardworking, but also has this funny side to him and. There's this quirks that he shows throughout the series that really set him apart from your general, uh, let's say, uh, normal uh, pro uh, romance protagonist. Then from that we have his love interest and the one that the name of the she's the name of the show. Uh, God damn it, Shinomiya Kaguya. She's the daughter. She's the youngest daughter of a huge conglomerate called the Shinomiya Conglomerate that has branching families. And, and then there's this whole uh, underlining that goes with her that actually her, her whole family are basically part of the mob, part of the Yakuza. It's not really called the Yakuza, but the idea comes with it. Right, so for the most part, she's rich. She's the, the more or less complete opposite of uh, Shirogane in terms of money. So she has uh, a whole lot of money. She lives in a mansion. She basically she's she's rich. That's that's the thing. She's rich. And at the start of the series, she's in this. This is a flashback that happens, and we get to see it. She's really cold. And we learned that throughout her life, she living with this really ruthless and basically a business-centric family. It's really messed up, their situation inside the house, that basically she lives alone in a giant house with a lot of maids and security staff, but also she doesn't actually have... She has a longing for her father... Her mother passed away after giving birth to her, and basically she's like the the only the youngest sister, and she's really obsessed uh, because of it, because she wants to 
rise to be the head of the conglomerate and actually stir this whole con whole thing uh, in the right way and not use the tactics that her half I think she has like three half brothers that we get to meet throughout the series they use to grow the business and whatever and this eventually comes up I will talk more about that later but the thing that I want to talk about is that uh, Kaguya is also really serious as as Miyuki but she is really cold at the start she uh, we have a whole lot of flashbacks throughout the series that shows that since she entered the um, she was recruited by the previous student council president as she involved herself with Miyuki she eventually mellowed out and became more friendly towards other people she was really cold she was really calculating she would not show interest towards other people unless it was for her gain be it monetary or uh, let's say economic in general so they use this a lot in the series with a whole lot of characters that relationships in rich families tend to be about business first and love later so they used these examples a lot even to the point that this eventually uh, let's say backfires into the side that doesn't actually happen so for instance Shirogane lives with his father and sister and then we get to uh, actually uh, learn that his father is divorced from his mother because of business and basically shows that it's not really about being a rich family a lot of people even in let's say lower lower income houses suffer from something similar let's say and so basically kaguya at the start she is we get her in a point that she's already pretty mellowed out in terms of uh, being emotional and showing her emotions to other people and being some somewhat friendly but also we have in the first and second part the this whole showing about her being really cold in the flashbacks and the process of how eventually Miyuki broke her eyes and she stopped being the I think they call her ice queen at some point she stopped being the ice queen and became uh, Shinomi Akaguya the vice president of the student council that is really friendly and is admired by so many people now that i talk about this i need to and i will repeat this i'm pretty sure i have to give a huge shout out if she ever listens to the show oh my god i have to really give a shout out because this is i feel like this is important and really deserves to be shouted out aoi koga the voice actors for Kaguya in the anime the three seasons I have to shout it out she does a really 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 good job in being Kaguya it is not even close I don't actually think that it would be possible to cast anyone else to do Kaguya ever again because uh, let's just say everything and I and I don't know if this is this is true but at some point, I think that after the first season happened, Akasakaka took how Aoi Koga represented Kaguya throughout the, the first season 
and basically rewrote Kaguya as Aoi Koga just to help to give more of the character. I don't know if this is true, it's just my speculation. The thing is, Aoi Koga does such a good job as the voice actors for Kaguya. I can't even describe this here, but the thing is, it's just beautiful. Her range from the different uh, personalities that Kaguya eventually has, and this is a gag that happens a lot, that Kaguya has her external voice, that, this is part of the creation in a business-centric uh, kind of household, she has this shield, and this facade that she puts up to not show her true intentions, true feelings towards people, and in a lot of cases she talks one thing and thinks another, and with two different voices, really, really different voices, and Aoi Koga does such a good work in doing, representing that. I can't really give you an example right here, but it is something that you need to actually see and listen to gather, to get everything that I'm, I'm trying to say. The Her acting is really nice, especially her specifically. And why am I shouting out specifically Aoi Koga and not other people in the whole uh, library that of anime that I ever reviewed and whatever? The thing is, we are... And this is a really, let's say, uh, this is a tangent, but I feel like I need to actually give uh, some kind of explanation. At this point in time, 2000, now 2023, we are in a time that voice acting for anime has become such a high quality kind of work that we have a really developed market in terms of voice actors and it is really hard to get a voice actor nowadays that is strictly bad because they won't show up if they are bad. That, that's the thing, right? I'm not saying that new talent has to be perfect or is getting perfect out of the woods, but the thing is, we are in a time that the, the standard is way, way too high, and so I need to actually shout out when someone goes way beyond what we would expect to be the standard and actually delivers performance so well done that it is noticeable that that person is uh, basically attached to to the character f for the rest of their lives. I don't actually think this is a well done explanation, but the, the thing is, she does uh, such a good job that I feel like I need to shout her out. That being said, let's get to the next one because... It's been like half an hour already of recording and I've been through just two characters. So next one is the third, let's say the third main character that we follow, Fujiwara Chika. And this one is not really, I, I don't actually need to actually introduce you. If you know anything about Kaguya-sama, it's probably because of the Chika dance of the first season. Chika is the secretary for the the council, she is uh, what I would call the agent of chaos. So this is a, a pattern that happens a lot in the first season and in the more episodic kind of chapters 
that whenever Miyuki and Kaguya are having a dispute in, I don't know, trying to confess one another or trying not to confess one another, Chica will eventually enter the scene and throw something at the wall, do something really random or even bring the means to the dispute and do something random and be outright just out of this world. I can't even explain it, but her she doesn't work in normal rules let's say and she's just there just to mess around and do whatever she is really funny as a character at the start it, it is she steals the show for the most part in some cases and really is funny the way she reacts to things and do things in general the random stuff that she brings up to the student council room is really nice and Basically, Chica is the goofy, for the most part, comedic relief of the group at the start. And basically, she's she's the one that carries most of the, let's say, the randomness of the games that Kaguya and Miyuki play, let's say. The next one is the last person in the student council for the first season, the first part, or the first season, whatever you want to call it. Ishigami Yu. Ishigami Yu, he is the treasurer for the student council. He is a loner. He just play games and has like no actual friends in school at the start. He just com- uh, communicates with people through games and that- that's basically his life. He goes to, the s- to school, studies a bit. Uh, he flunks a lot of subjects for the most part of the series, such in a way that it actually becomes a plot point later on when Kaguya goes out of her way to actually teach Ishigami how to study and help him not flunk all his subjects because he would uh, repeat the year, let's say. That being said, he is really intelligent and basically is just he's just lazy for the most part, right? He games a lot and also I will talk about more of, about the games because games strangely become something of a uh, real deal in this series, somewhat. I will talk more about that later. But the thing is, Yuishigami, the treasure, a loner, only plays games, doesn't actually have friends for the most part in the school. His only friend at the very start of the the um, series is Shirogane, the only one. He later on will be the the um, center of some major development in the series when we get to part two. So those are the, the student council. Then we have some different people that also play a big part in the story and eventually get their own conclusions. But... I'll gloss over just a bit because I think this this analysis will take like three hours of me. So hold me up. If I mean, if you want to talk more about this, hit me on Discord. Link in the description. Plug in. Let's go. So next one I need to actually show is Hayaskai. Hayaskai is the living maid, a personal maid of Kaguya at the start. She's basically the same age of everyone. She studies at Shujin, but she's the maid of Kaguya, and she basically takes care of Kaguya, so Kaguya doesn't actually know how to cook, how to dress herself up somewhat, and basically t- takes care of her overall, 
it is also shown in the first season that she has a basis for a spy slash bodyguard so she can infiltrate and do random spy stuff across the whole series it happens a lot and eventually this becomes somewhat of a plot point later on because we get to know that actually the Hayasaka family is uh, I don't know how you say this is a subordinate family for the Shinomiya so Hayasakas have been brought up to be the servants of the Shinomias and also part of their security staff, let's say. That being said, I cannot really give much of a detailed description of Hayasaka for the most part because it flourishes way more towards the end of the first season and into the second, the second part because she actually eventually gets out of the, the job of being uh, Kaguya's maid and actually becomes herself, let's say, because she has to sh to hide the fact that Shinomiya and Hayasaka are re actually re related to Miyuki for... S I don't actually remember the reason because it's been so, so long when I actually read that part. But the thing is, she has to hide the fact that she's Kaguya's maid for some reason and so she cannot really act as herself most of the time but also at some point they, she flourishes into being her own self and she's basically really hardworking. she is much similar to uh, Miyuki but she relaxes a bit more just a bit a bit more than him and basically she's a normal somewhat Gyaru, I don't actually know if you, you would categorize her as Gyaru, but somewhat. She's just a normal person considering everyone else. She's just a normal high school girl that goes out with her friends and whatever. Next one. So these next ones that I need to actually talk about are mostly side characters, but they, they get involved by the end of the story, so they actually need to... we need to talk about her. So first off is... Kei Shiro, uh, Shirogane Kei, the um, little sister of Miyuki, she's in her rebellious phase. It, this is a major point throughout the whole manga that the manga basically takes two, three years and Kei doesn't actually get out of her rebellious phase anytime. So she has this major tsundere energy towards her brother and she has a major uh, brother complex. She has her own, uh, let's say, storylines. For the most part, she says that she hates her brother, but she actually likes him. And for the most part, she interacts with them as she's the, I think, the secretary for the student council of the middle school. And eventually it becomes somewhat pre uh, premeditated that at some point she would become the next president of the of the student council of the high school but that doesn't actually happen inside the manga it just is commented i don't actually have much to say about her sorry and the next two uh next three actually are all related so we have kashiwagi nagisa tanoma tsubasa and shijomaki so shijomaki or maki maki is somewhat of a cousin to Kaguya, although the relation is really strange because she calls uh, Kaguya Obasa like aunt, but, but still, the, the thing is, uh, basically Shijo is one of the branch families of the Kaguya, 
and so there's this whole awkwardness between them but that's not the important part where when talking about the street the, the thing is so we have Tsubasa as the guy and we have first Nagisa so Tsubasa is going out with Nagisa and they are happy lo- lovey-dovey kind of couple and for the most part a, a lot of the gags in the first and second part come f- from the fact that they are really lovey-dovey and still for the most part in the first and second part Kaguya and, and Shirogane um, Miyuki are not really together and they take a lot of advice from one another let's say that the the relationship between Nagisa and Tsubasa and Kaguya and Miyuki it's really strange, but it's really funny the way they, they deliver it. The thing is, Maki has a crush on Tsubasa since day one, and basically Nagisa stole him from her. And so there's this whole uh, running gag that for whatever reason that Nagisa and Tsubasa does something, uh, Maki will appear at the student council room just to cry it out to Miyuki and Ishigami. That being said, those are the most most of the characters for the first part. The second part comes out with I think three more characters, uh, maybe more. Actually, before I get out of this this part, uh, there's one more character that I have actually to talk about. Is the father of Miyuki and K. He doesn't actually have a name. They don't present his name for some reason. Papa Shirogane, as comes up in the Wikipedia article, whatever. The thing is, he has been divorced for seven years. He has a really huge debt, which is the reason why both K and Miyuki have to take part-time jobs, even though they are studying a really difficult uh, school and with scholarships and basically he's with a huge debt he doesn't actually have a stable job at the beginning of the series and for the most part he's a boomer and, and it, it is really funny the way that he comes up his design specifically I, I can't really explain it but in the manga it, it is really funny the way that he delivers his lines with the expression that he makes I can't really explain this here, but just take my word for it. He's one of the really funny characters in the series. Somewhat pivotal at some points, but really he comes up as this paternal figure that helps a lot when he needs to. And also a comedic relief for some gags. Some At some points in the story, there are some specific gags that happen only with him. And it, it is really funny the way that they deliver it. That's what I'm trying to say. So now with the characters out of the way, let's get to the routine. So basically, the routines for the first season is the, the episodic ways that uh, Kaguya and Miyuki will try to make the other confess or maybe... Uh, show affection let's say so for the most part they waste a lot of time inside the student council room just uh, doing random stuff just to make the other one confess to them and or show interest and then there is this whole psychological part of the the story and it is really funny the way they they present it and for the most part these are like I don't know like 40% of the whole First season is basically this. Then we have some gags that go with 
the way that Shirogane and Chika get Miyuki and Chika get uh, involved between the fact that Miyuki doesn't actually have I don't know he doesn't know how to play volleyball and then we get this whole uh, gag about how Chika has to go out of her way to teach these basically <laughs> Miyuki comes up as a really incompetent person really something different from what you would expect from someone who has uh, top top grades in his in his year and basically train him this happens a lot because of different stuff that Miyuki comes up to try to impress Kaguya and it always ends up with uh, Chika with this face about of basically tire out her mind and say oh I I help bring up that boy. It is really funny, and so th there are some different gags. But f the for most part, the first, for the most part, the first part of the series is basically episodic, comedic, more or less word building kind of stuff. The second part is when we get to the second and third season, and these two I grouped them together because, for the most part, the way that the story goes on, I feel like it is. The story changes a bit towards the set, these two seasons because they all culminate in the last episode of the third season. And basically, from this point on, the, the whole series goes another way. The thing is, uh, for the second and third season, we have the introduction of a few more characters. So, second season first, we have the introduction of, I would say, three more characters, just to keep this really tight. I don't actually know if the third season shows it or the second season shows a specific event, but that being said, it doesn't actually matter. So, second season, uh, we get introduced to Ino Miko, who's the president of the Public, public Morals Committee, I think that that's how you say it, and she basically has a beef with Ishigami from day one, because Ishigami brings... Uh, basically his PS Vita or the switch to the school and basically that's prohibited and she is a strict, a strict, really strict person when it comes to rules and then we get this whole backstory about how her dream is to become the student council president to make the rules, bring Shujin to make rules more strict and make people follow the rules actually and also that her parents are both, I think, prosecutors, and basically her dream is to be go to law law school. And from then, we this girl she actually changes a lot in the story, and I need to actually show the other characters just to then discuss her specifically because a lot of things happen towards the third season so i'll just get with the rest of the characters because then i finished all the characters in the show in the series that actually changed something and then we can go on with just talking about the story so with Ino, we then we then get her best friend and the only person that actually is her friend at the start of the the story osaragi kobachi that is her best friend for the most part she doesn't uh kobachi doesn't actually have much development or much anything of her in this second part of the series she develops a lot in the third part when we actually get an insight on her specifically because th they create um, a plot point between her 
Ishigami and Ino. So when we talk about Ino, we, we get back to him, to her. And then we get Koyasu Tsubame, that is a senpai, uh, upperclassman for... I think she's the third year and Kaguya and Miyuki are in the second year and then Ishigami and Ino are in the first year. So she's like upperclassman going to the graduate at the end of the year when she's introduced. And she basically is the at the center of a major arc for the, the major arc of Ishigami because she's the first person to actually make Ishigami grow as a person and become somewhat sociable. So I will talk more about her. <laughs> Wait a second. So with this with these three characters being introduced, I can actually talk about the story. For real, for real. So the second season, the anime, begins with the introduction of Ino and Kobachi for the most part. Uh, Ino gets introduced really abruptly when she comes up in the student council room and just say, yo, you guys are screwing up with the rules and basically the whole school in disarray because of you. And so that, then it begins a whole, a whole quest, a whole arc where they have this new election for student council and basically you know tries to compete with them with Kaguya and Miyuki as she would be the president and Kobachi would be the vice and she just gets she gets wrecked she gets wrecked she tries to deliver her her speech but she actually has a stage fright and basically Miyuki has to go there and basically save her and that comes out in the scene as an act of kindness. And so from that, this point on, she actually loses the election, but then sees Shirogane as someone worthy, someone that is righteous in the place that he is. So she starts out seeing the, uh, the current student council as a bunch of incompetent people. Uh, she eventually grows up to see everyone as competent and really skilled at their jobs, but also uh, she still has a beef with Ishigami. She doesn't actually um, grow out of it for this moment. That being said, in one of the traits of Ino in this, this part where she actually enters the student council as an auditor, she is really naive. And so one of the running gags in the second and third part is that Chica, for the most part, takes her into some weird places, let's say, for pranks and random games that they play. It is really funny. For the most part, whenever she appears, she is either when Kaguya and Miyuki are in the middle of trying to be, let's say, horny. Kind of, but not really. It's not... Uh, I mean, it's a, I think, PG-13 show, uh, show, either way. They don't actually get to do anything, let's say, lewd as per se, but whenever they try to uh, be a bit more open about their feelings, let's say. At this point in the second season, they have kind of grown to the fact that, yeah, maybe confessing is not really needed. We can just, like, approach one another and kind of grow this relationship and whenever she appears it's when it's a bad timing when they are trying to do something together or when Ishigami is playing some game and she takes uh, his console for him 
That being said, we get in the second season also uh, Ishigami trying to be a more friendly person, a more sociable person because he has actually a major trauma and it is a really long chain of events and things that keep coming up even inside of the third part of the series that is outside of the anime already, it's only on the manga, that Ishigami and Ino actually have a really long history together and also Kobachi for that matter. Because at some point they explained that Kobachi and Ino basically got together and hang out together and are friends together because... Uh, are friends together, what the fuck? Because at some point in middle school, Ino actually suffered a lot from general bullying because every, although she was in the public morals committee, Everyone hated her because she was so strict. And so she suffered all around. And for the most part, the one that would cover up for her or maybe protect her in the shadows would be Shigami. And she, but she never actually knew that. So, you know, Miko doesn't actually know that Ishigami is the one that basically saved her throughout middle school. And the one that actually knows about it is Kobachi. So at some point towards the... And, and I'm already talking about the third part. But the thing is, uh, this is a whole thing that develops throughout the second and third season. So I need to talk about it multiple times. And basically the way that things are is that uh, Ishigami has this whole side of him that he does good for people but does, doesn't actually show it or let them know that he did it and one of those cases was one girl that he had a crush on back in the day that had this really a scumbag of a boyfriend let's say and for one reason or another the guy was to timing the girl and then Ishigami went to confront him and he basically offered Ishigami to basically take his girlfriend and so then it grew this, let's say, this chivalrous spirit in Ishigami, beat the guy down, actually fight, let's say, just uh, straight, straight up just punch the guy in the face, and then Ishigami got suspended for like seven days. And this is the one thing that uh, ties everyone together to Ishigami in this, in the sense that because of his suspension, he had to write this. Um, apology letter and then the whole thing just spiraled out of control eventually he got back to school but everyone hated him except for Miyuki and Kaguya who actually had someone investigate the whole case and basically came to Ishigami you did this because you liked the girl right he wanted you wanted to protect her and when he sees the light that someone actually knows his story knows his uh, his struggle he basically becomes friends with Miyuki and when he comes up and says, yo, uh, join the student council with me, he actually joins because he likes Miyuki as uh, not only his friend, his friend is the most most of it, but also the one that actually understands his struggle. That being said, at this point, Ishigami and Kaguya are not on the best terms, but th this develops into a better place later on. That being said... <laughs> I even lost where I was talking about. But basically, uh, Ishigami has this trauma because of the fact that he was hated from middle school onwards. 
after his suspension, the whole thing. So he has this trauma with other people that he just doesn't see other people in the face. He faces everyone as an NPC without actually facing them for real. That being said, he tries to join a club for the first time. And the one that he joins is the cheerleading club. I don't actually remember the reason why, but he eventually joins it. I think it was because it was the most sociable of the club, so he just thought that it would be like the speed run to be sociable. That being said, it takes some time. He almost gives up until Tsubame, as, as I said, Koyasu Tsubame, comes up to him and said, do you need help or are you all right? And this is the part where Ishigami actually transforms into this more sociable person. He starts being more, uh, more sociable, more happy to, with life. He he has from this the first part of the series. He has this depressed demeanor about him. And in the second part, when he gets to meet Tsubame and the rest of the guys from the training club as a cl actual club member. He starts being more happy and active and proactive to, towards things. And really, he gets better, let's say. He just gets better. He is living the, li the time of her his life. And while this happens, we see um, somewhat of a development of character. Not really character development as per se, but really character showing off a bit more of about themselves in Inu. When she sees that Ishigami is growing, she kind of starts to notice these. It is like implicated when she first appears that she likes Ishigami, but she starts to kind of notice that she likes him, and then it becomes this kind that kind of awkward environment around them when they are basically alone, and, and it is the start of something. That being said, then we get uh, the real deal. The, the second part is basically this major developments because I, at this point we have all the chips on the table, all the the pieces are on the field, so we can actually go on with the story. So the second season is the introduction of Ino, Kobachi, and Subame, and then the third part, the third season, ultra romantic, is the part where the series really. Takes, makes a leap. They dive really hard into the whole thing. So, the third season, and I don't actually know if the third season um, covers this all. I may be talking about uh, events out of order. Order. Don't actually at me. I don't actually remember. It's been so long. I'm talking most about memory and major things that happen and really are remarkable about the series. The thing is, third part is when things start to happen actually so we have the f the first thing that ha really happens is that uh so ishigami starts to notice that he likes tsubame and tsubame actually it is really hard on the feelings when this part actually hits but the way that things work out is that ishigami is really he it's really certain that if he confesses to Tsubame, she will accept him. And then she doesn't. And really hits really hard. Really, really hard. And, and this is the part where everything just comes crashing down. Because before this, we have this arc where uh, Kaguya and Ishigami actually 
come together to basically get Ishigami in a better place. So because Ishigami at this point, when the season first starts, he wants to be in a place where he he's worthy of asking Tsubame Senpai out. And so he gets uh, Kaguya to help him with his style. He, I think his style. Uh, he's great for the most part. And other random stuff about uh, being a really good guy and whatever. And at this point, Ino starts to get kind of jealous. And basically starts to watch in the sidelines if the confession will go right or not. But the major thing that happens in this part is that although they really did try it, and at some point the manga, I don't actually know if the anime does this, the manga explains that I think 68% of the all sexual relations in the, in the year happened the first day of the year between midnight and 5 o'clock, something, something like that. <laughs> it is really funny because you know what's about to happen and, and it doesn't actually happen. So basically, they have a Christmas New Year's party where everybody's invited, but then Ino does something uh, that she basically bails out. Tsubame and Ishigami stay, but they don't actually do it. They don't actually do it. It is really hard, bro. And they don't actually do it. And when he comes up to confess to her, she dumps him. It's really hard on the feelings. But it's something memorable. Because at this point, at the very least, Ishigami grows a bit. She, he, he adds something to his experience, let's say. The, the, the experience of rejection, for the most part. And so, the third part ends with Kaguya... And I'm glossing over a, a whole lot of details, but still. The third season, the second part of the series ends with Kaguya and Miyuki actually coming together and admitting her love to one another, starting to be a girlfriend and boyfriend, and they kiss, and it's a really cute scene. Then we get to part three. Part three is the part where... Um, a whole lot of things, little things happen. Uh, majorly, what happens is that we have a whole lot of episodic stuff, a whole lot of side uh, side plot lines, let's say, secondary plot lines that develop a lot. One of the major uh, plot points that appear in this part comes uh, that has been developing since the introduction of Ino in the in the series have been development and ends up in this part in the third part and has underlining it's it's a comfy part to read but also premeditates a lot of things that come later so first major event that happens in the third part is the fact that a whole lot of things happen to all the characters but the the one is beat that always the underlining fact that always comes up is that although for this part Kaguya and Miyuki are girlfriend and boyfriend and they are really happy doing their stuff as as uh, much lovey-dovey as they can be uh, they do everything they 
go out, do stuff, and kiss sometimes, hug, and it's really cute. Although there's this, there's this, this implication that this is a fleeting moment because the moment that Kaguya graduates, she will be taken to her family to be married to a business partner. And this is a really grim future considering everything that we fought so much three seasons to be here and considering all the really hard stuff that Miyuki has been going through just to set up so much f things because he's going to Stanford at the, the end of the school year and he wants to he wants her to go with him and he sets up this whole thing and and then there, there's this implication that she will not have her way because her family will basically take over her decisions from from the point that she graduates. And so the whole thing kind of goes really well for the third part, but has this implication going for the whole length of it. And so it's really nice, but the underlying is pretty grim. That being said, for the major side things that happen, uh, we see some development with Maki, Tsubasa, and Nagisa. Doesn't actually change much in the main plot. It, it comes to a head in at the end of the series, but still. And then we get uh, the major thing that happens in the third part outside of the underlying kind of dark future for Miyuki and Kaguya. Uh, Miko finally comes up with the idea, oh, I like Ishigami. So... But then it comes up that Kobachi actually likes Ishigami too. And so they have this whole arc where they fight because Kobachi sees that she deserves Ishigami because she knows how much Ishigami has worked for Miku for so many years. But also Miku doesn't actually want to uh, give in, although she prefers that she gives in because she doesn't want to sacrifice her friend for it, and, and this is a this is a, a pattern that we'll see when we get to the final part. But but this thing about choosing either love or friendship is something that the Akasakaka reuses a bit. I mean, it, it's not much, but it's strange that it happened twice, maybe thrice even. Anyway, so. There's this conflict between Kobachi and Miku. They kind of break up as friends, but then eventually they come to the realization that basically whatever, and Kobachi leaves well without confessing to Ishigami. Because also Miku has a really hard time to actually confess, so much so that, and this is already talking about the end, she doesn't actually do it inside the manga. I don't actually know if you will ever see a continuation, some kind of extra. Just to talk about this, but inside the the manga that we see, doesn't actually happen until the end of the series. That that doesn't actually happen. So this is the third part. The whole thing is really happy, although there's this underlying green stuff. And now Miko knows that she likes Ishigami. For the rest of the characters, doesn't actually change much. But the third part also... I think it's the third part or the second part, I don't actually remember. Uh, a whole lot of things happen in the Shirogane household. So, Kei becomes, let's say, this uh, sister-in-law to Kaguya. 
in a way she really likes the idea of being the sister-in-law although she doesn't like that Kaguya is being held with Miyuki it's some I can't actually explain it well enough here but it is some kind of uh, brother rivalry some kind of deal it's funny <laughs> but yeah and at this point a really really funny really really uh, modern and something that I don't actually see any manga do it because it's whenever they actually talk about uh, normal stuff it's not an isekai or any different kind of setting they always they pretend like the internet doesn't actually exist I, I really like that Akasakaka has uh, introduced the these modern factors inside his story and basically a Papa Shirogane has become a YouTuber <laughs> and has earned those YouTube money bucks like really hard and basically they become somewhat of kind of have money not really as rich as Kaguya but kind of have money it's a funny gag because at the end of the the manga he appears with a convertible I think it's a, Fer a Ferrari <laughs> it's really funny um, that being said let's continue so the third part is this kind of happy stuff with the underline and the whole other things happening the the thing about the last part is that it comes with this, this let's say, this warning screen. Much like when we get to a point in a video game where there's the uh, no return until you finish this quest line part. Much like, uh, I don't know, Skyrim, Far Cry, and so on and so forth. Uh, it comes with, from this point on, this is the final arc. Okay, Kaguya Sama Love is War, final arc. This is the thing. And oh my god, the final arc is so messed up. So basically, for some reason, I don't know where Kaguya is taken to the main house of the Shinomiya clan. And then we get this run through really quickly. And it, it is really brief, this part. I don't actually know if it was for convenience because they didn't want to drag it out. Because at this point, we are already in 2022, let's say. And... Uh, Oshinoko has already taken off and a whole lot of stuff also happened. I don't know if Akasakaka wanted to rush this out a bit, but this final arc, let's say, it's really brief. So, Kaguya is taken by his her family to the main house. Her father is, is dying in deathbed, basically, and her brothers, their three, are scheming to get her uh, married to the Shijo family because they need the money because the, the conglomerate has started to crumble for some reason. They don't actually uh, talk much about why this happens, but it, it is implied that it is because of the, let's say, out-of-the-book tactics that they use to grow up their business. But the, the whole thing kind of runs around this. And a whole lot of stuff happens. Uh, Everybody is mobilized to save Kaguya because we will take Kaguya out of the um, of the compound and bring her back and save her and whatever. And then we will talk about with them when we get her back. So let's rescue Kaguya. And basically, it's this mini arc of adventure where they actually bring out this 
whole uh, messy plan. It, it's really, I mean, it, it is nice to see and it, is, it has some, some level of catharsis that we see that things going right and so on and so forth, but if you sit down and actually analyze how things work, you, you would... That's not how things work, right? The thing is, they rescue Kaguya, there's this whole gag where Miyuki tries to make her father sign marriage papers on his deathbed, and basically Miyuki tricks one of her brothers to get one billion yen and a whole lot of stuff happens and basically this all comes to a head they get together again they eventually accept the fact that Kaguya will be a, an inheritor for the for the the fortune of the family and that she has independence as a person as a woman she has the right to choose her own uh, loved one so she can actually be with Miyuki and actually and not inherit the the business of the family and actually follow her dream that we find out and, and this was the first time that I heard about it I don't actually know if there were any hints really throughout the series I know of one episode one instance but doesn't actually show much that she wants to be a photographer and one of her let's say one of her regrets one of the things that she can't accomplish is that uh, her father passes away before she can actually take a photo of him it, it's really sad but you know the whole thing ki kind of uh, solves itself for the most part and basically this is the let's say the final arc and then we get this episodic kind of different chapters until the last two chapters of the actual story where we get to see Akasaka Aka actually tying up loose ends for each of the characters so when we get Kaguya back so they have I think one or two chapters together when Miyuki actually goes to Stanford, so he has to drop out and basically get the certificate of conclusion for the high school. I don't actually remember if they give him an actual reason for that, but he has to uh, get out of school before his actual graduation. And so Kaguya and the rest of the crew have a few months without the presence of Miyuki, although they eventually find a way because Kaguya always finds a way. She gets a 40-inch television to basically always discord him, like, full-time. I don't actually know how, because have you ever heard of time zones? You, the guy would be up, like, 3 a.m. on a Tuesday to talk to you. That's not really, you know, doable. Anyways, so Miyuki is out of the picture for the most part, and then we get this episodic kind of deals, uh, so, first we get the conclusion to... I don't actually remember the order, sorry if I get this wrong. So, we get the conclusion for Chica, where we have this running gag throughout the series. And, and this is why I'm, I say that there are four parts. There are four... the four emperors of ramen for Chica. And the, the, it is a running gag that she goes to random uh, ramen shops in random parts of, of Tokyo, and she basically challenges a 
well, I mean, Emperor for the title for some reason. And the gag is that everybody is thinking about the way they eat ramen as a competition. And she just, oh, I had AirPods on. I didn't hear anything that you guys were saying. This is the gag. And basically, the way they close out her arc is basically with, basically with this. She d does appear later on, but it's just the gag. Then we get um, N4K, where she actually basically confronts her mother on the fact that it is not all about business. You can actually love somebody without uh, caring about business. You care about people and you need to stay together as a family. Th that's the major message of this, this part is that family first, business and other things later. You know, I can actually, I'm trying to gloss over because I still have things to say and it's been one hour and 20 minutes. The thing is, uh, so Kay ends up with this family, insert Vin Diesel here, arc. Then we get the end for Hayasaka. Hayasaka has, her end is pretty mid, in my humble opinion. She just uh, dreams about how everyone will end up a few years from now, which is pretty cute. But it's just a dream, we don't actually see it happening. Then we get the ending for... And this one I, I really wanted to talk about. Uh, Tsubasa, Maki and Nagisa. Where... It's basically the rehash of Ino and Kobachi again. So... Nagisa for some reason discovers that... Although she's been dating Tsubasa for... God knows how long at this point. Actually, Maki wanted to go out with him, and so she breaks up with him just to make up for Maki, and then they have this whole conflict and whatever, whatever. It's it's the same thing, it's the same gag, but the end of the gag is that actually Tsubasa and Nagisa were being horny for real, for real, and she's pregnant of three months. Who knew? And and. I mean, it, it is a funny... The, the way they deliver it, it's, it's kind of funny. And at this point, they are are all rich, so there, there's no real problem, let's say. And so it's kind of happy, kind of strange, but the, the delivery is funny. And the way that Maki cries out about it, it's with a whole picture of herbal tea. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. And then we get the ending for Ino and... Ishigami. So with everybody graduating, graduating, the next election comes up, and Ino is elected the student council president. The problem is, she doesn't actually have the rest of the team. She's the lone president without the vice vice president, without the treasurer and whatever. And so the first person that she recruits after much deliberation and trying not to seem like she is going to confess to him is Ishigami. And so the whole gag ends up with it being a, a circle of repeating things where their start as president and vice president is the same one as Miyuki and Kaguya. And so how do I get him to confess first? Bas basically that. And from this point on, we get two more chapters where basically it's the the end of the series. The um, Kaguya graduates, everybody graduates together, and Kaguya is going 
to Stanford by the end of the year. And the next thing is, how do I get him to, to propose to me first? And so the things, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And that's the end of Kaguya-sama Love's War. Oh my god. Uh, so, seven years of publication, this, this anime is pretty nice. This anime, this <laughs> this manga, this whole series is pretty nice. I'll talk a bit more about the anime. So, now I need to actually talk about the some remarks of the series and so on and so forth. Oh my god, how where do I start? So, the first thing I wanted to say is that I have to... As I, as I said at the beginning, right? The... I don't think this manga redefines the comedic romance, the romantic comedy genre. I don't actually think this can actually, anything can actually rewrite that. But certainly, I think the the bar has been raised way too high now. I don't know if anyone will use really Kaguya-sama as a comparison to any other romantic slice of life thing, because it has a lot of comedy uh, inbuilt, let's say, and not all the romantic comedies that we see are so inbuilt with comedy, they are mostly a romance first, but at the same time, I think the quality of the writing has been really shown off here, they're underlining that they can keep towards the third part, where we know that everything's fine right now, but when they graduate, the whole thing's going to crumble, that uh, the amount that they put on it, uh, most, I, I say they, but it is Akasakaka only, he's the only author of this thing, uh, the way that they present it, it is really outstanding, it's a really nice way to introduce uh, this conflict that will happen, without actually creating so much of a hype and not delivering, I think for the most part, the whole series has this trait of not really promising much and over-delivering, so does doesn't actually create much hype and then, don't know, do something dumb. So much so that it is hard to me to say that the, the ending is bad. The ending is not bad. I would feel like... It is impossible to end this badly because you have your work cut out for you. But at the same time, I think I, I don't like the delivery. But uh, personally, I don't I actually like the way they delivered the ending. I think the episodic kind of deal with each of the characters is nice and it, it is a way to put more jokes in and make me laugh at a whole lot of things that happen. It is nice. I mean, it is a way you can do it. I don't actually, I don't actually like it, but it, it is more on me. I think it's more of a personal thing. I think m most people will feel like the way that they present it is is nice. It's pretty cute for the most part. The way that they finish uh, most of the arcs, especially Hayasaka, Hayasaka's arc ends. It's one of the worst endings because it's just dream. But at the same time. It shows that she, what she wants to accomplish is that she wants to see everybody accomplish their dreams, and it is really nice, a really nice thing to actually show. But again, I don't actually think that the episodic kind of deal is pretty nice. I would prefer a more 
continuous kind of thing, a more concrete realization of stuff. I really would like to see Ishigami and uh, Ino actually kiss by the end, but I think that's asking a lot maybe. I think maybe, maybe, maybe that this was a way to keep doors open for a possible spin-off sequel, something like that. For the most part, the series is really well written, the jokes are really well done. Some the, the gags are really predictable at some point, but the, the way that the characters react is, is really funny. Another thing that I wanted to say is that by the end, the, towards the... By the end of the third part, beginning of the fourth, I think by the end of uh, middle to the end of the third part, really, uh, I really wanted Chica written out of the story. God damn it! At some point, we had so much of this underlying darkness building in because of the the graduation thing and how much they they actually tease it out from moment one when Kaguya accept being. Miyuki's girlfriend, they tease it out so much that at some point you you are just, oh my god, just give me the drop, just uh, drop it on me, just show where uh, my heart will break, you know, and it's, at this point, the way that Chica is inserted to uh, do a random gag or introduce something that we weren't expecting, it, it just becomes so annoying that and I feel like someone gave the author this kind of feedback. Because at some point in the third part, Chica just stops actually showing up. For some, She doesn't actually have much impact in the story at some points. And so the, the plot can actually go smoothly for some time until the, the whole thing actually drops and we get the rescue arc. So much so that Chica, when she appears in the rescue arc, although they drop some gags in between the serious parts, Chica actually shows uh, shows up as someone competent and, and usable at that point. She does, She's not only the goofball, she can help with information on the Kago, on the Shinomiya family and so on and so forth. Which was good. I think it was a, a really nice way to do it. That being said, now for more general kind of stuff. So, for the f- most part, one of the first thing that I want to say, the only, let's say, premeditation, the only flag that they give for Kaguya being a photographer is the one of the most... I think it's the first season. One of the most uh, remarkable episodes and parts in the anime, in the manga, when her first, when her first cell phone breaks and she loses the photos. That that's the part where photos are really an important part for her. So this is the only part that I can say that really hints at the fact that she wants to be a photographer. It's when she can take the photos of everyone. Uh, smiling, laughing, and actually share around. Only hint. I just want to say random things at this point. I, one hour, 35 minutes of recording. Anyway, so I've been commenting on the timestamps for recording for the most part. Oh, God. The thing is, it's 6.30 a.m. on a Sunday. 
anyways, anyways, uh, out of here with this. I'll keep this in. Just FYI, I'll keep this whole commentary in. I don't have a script for this. So, next thing. I really like that Akasa Kahaka made such a modern manga. What I mean by that is that, as I previously mentioned, a lot of people will write, uh, let's say, current year things, even uh, not only an anime manga, but also a series, movies, some, some, some stuff like that, that will straight up just ignore the fact that we live in 2023. Like, YouTube is a thing. It's a major thing. Uh, Twitter is a major thing. VTubers are a major thing right now. I, I, I don't know if you tried this, but have you ever entered like the front page of Twitch? There's a lot of VTubers now. Like, random VTubers coming out of the fucking floor. I, they're leaving my walls. Like, oh my god. I end this whole thing where games are part of the society right now. So, games have become hot take, gentrified for the most part. They become normy stuff. Everybody plays at the very least something. Once. Beat Fall Guys, League, Dota, Rocket League, I don't know, you know, Fortnite or whatever. Minecraft for that matter. And to actually see someone introduce them as talking points in their manga and even in some gags, it is really, really nice. So they talk about Apex Legends, which is something that the Japanese for some reason like a lot. I don't understand why, but to talk about Apex in in a manga, to talk about Minecraft in a manga, to actually see someone come out of poverty through being a YouTuber with clickbait thumbnails, clickbait titles, and streaming. Oh my god, it, it is such a fresh take on things that it really, uh, I'd say, guaranteed extra points for me for this series. And I think the, the way the jokes are written, they never become really stale. The gags come around very sometimes and they are funny all the time. Even some the, uh, some gags that don't appear from a long time, when they finally appear again, oh, I've seen this. I know where this goes. It's really nice. And for the most part, this series is awesome. This series is really good. I recommend if you like to laugh a lot and maybe have your romance on the side. It's pretty nice. It gets a bit heavy on the ending and the ending is pretty rushed on my humble opinion. But I can give it a pass even given everything because, I mean, the guy was already pressed with Oshinoko and other stuff happening. So I can, I can like forget that, forgive that for that matter. And for all that's worth, talking about the anime a bit, A1 Pictures did a really nice job with all the seasons. Uh, Ultra Romantic was a landmark because he, it broke the status quo of My Animalist. Uh, it is not that My Animalist is the end-all be-all of uh, anime classification, whatever. The, the rank is whatever you make of it, but to actually see something like that uh, happen, it was something uh, of a historical moment, let's say. And I think that, if anything, the anime justifies the manga and vice versa. <clears throat> 
the anime keeps up with the quality of the manga and I can understand why they wouldn't go beyond the third season for anime adaptations because I think the the way they ended the third season is the best way and some people may argue that it should have ended there but I quite like the fact that we got to see Kaguya and Miyuki as girlfriend and boyfriend you know the whole thing that being said again uh, shout out Aoi Koga best voice actress she's going to be Kaguya for the rest of her life for me at the very least her voice acting for Kaguya is so nice the when Kaguya is cute she's cute when Kaguya is angry she's angry and all the faces of Kaguya normal Kaguya Kaguya Chan Kaguya Ice Queen <laughs> so so nice the the way she uh, she represents Kaguya is really well done and now with my voice kind of cracking already I've been maybe don't know five minutes I'll thank you guys for watching for listening depending on the platform you're in so if you can please like please share please leave a leave a review even Spotify has introduced the interact tab so the Q&A is always open please like please share please follow depending on the platform you're in uh, for the most part this is the last let's say real episode for the show for this year 2023 because after this we have the update for the manga list which is not really big but still and just to keep you guys up uh, whenever I can for the most part and it's been kind of consistent um, for the most part I've been trying to stream on Twitch I've been streaming Cyberpunk 2077 after the update the 2.0 update and the Phantom Liberty DLC I've been streaming a playthrough and if you guys can catch me there if you want to just go there say hi and also I bit the bullet got a Twitter going I don't actually post much for the most part I will just announce when I'm going live when new episodes are going live and I've been reposting random uh, anime art I see for the most part it's some wholesome stuff because it's cute and basically I thank you guys again for listening if you like the show please stick around and I hope you stick around for next time bye